Welcome to the Super Abundant Life Podcast. I'm your host, Olaomi Brigway, a transformational life coach and the creator of Super Abundant Woman, where we are teaching and equipping women who have a burning desire for significance to create an exceptionally successful and fulfilling life without burnout or stress. In the not too distant past, I myself was trapped in an agonizing cycle of failure and shame with my mind constantly dominated by negative emotions. But my life was dramatically transformed beyond my wildest dreams when I began to live by the power and the wisdom of God's word. My mission is to teach others to experience the same. On the Super Abundant Life podcast, we have only one goal teach and empower Christians to take full advantage of their rights and privileges in Christ so they can build exceptionally successful lives. Thank you for tuning in. I'm so glad you're here. Hey, this is Alaomi and welcome back. Welcome to episode 75 of the Super Abundant Life podcast. 75, so three quarters of the way to a century to 100. And I'm truly grateful to you for being a part of the podcast. Thank you for tuning in, for listening. Thank you for sharing. Thank you for leaving ratings and reviews. I honestly cannot thank you enough for being faithful to the podcast for encouraging me. I receive a lot of messages from the listeners and I truly, 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 truly appreciate you for being a part of this journey. Okay, so episode 75. Before I get into that, I just wanted to you know, share with you something that, that, I, that happened to me well recently in the last couple of weeks. So I was, I was trying to make a purchase um, I went out to buy something and I went to, so in, I obviously searched online, etc., and then went into a store, um, to, to meet with the, the, like the, what they call them, like the sales manager. So I was introduced to a sales manager and we had to sit down. Okay. So what would you like? What do you want to buy? Etc. the specs, etc. etc. And you know, I, I, <laughs> Uh, in fact, I went with Maxine, my daughter, and when we walked away from from that um, appointment, I remember thinking that was so transactional. As in the the, the, the lady that served us, the lady that served me, um, so she she asked all the right questions. She she did everything right. Um, she you know pointing the numbers, etc., and said, okay, what what is it that you want, etc. Um, but I I. I it was that it was as if it was very transactional i think that's the only way i could really describe it i said yes this is someone this is a client or a customer in front of me and what do you want i'll get you exactly what you want so i i felt almost used like <laughs> like there was no personal touch 
there was no personal touch too. She had that game face on and even though she was extremely efficient in what she was doing, I wasn't convinced. There was no emotion. My emotions were not stirred up. I didn't feel in a weird way. I didn't feel like she was someone I could trust, even though there was no reason for me to feel that way she hadn't given me any reason for me to distrust her in fact if anything if i were to think about it logically she had you know she because she had been so efficient because she had been so efficient i had every reason to say okay i'm going to buy from you but because the emotional human element was missing i walked away from that appointment thinking oh i'm you know i have to keep searching i haven't really found who i'm going to who, you know i don't think i'm going to buy from you um, now I want to, I want you to contrast this with, you know, a few days later, as I continued searching, I got a phone call, um, from, from another sales manager. And from the moment he started talking, you would think that I had known this person, this guy for years, you know, he, he was cracking jokes. He was telling me about his wife. He was saying, he was literally making me laugh. Um, when he was asking for my uh, date of birth, he was saying things like, oh, you know, my, 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 my wife always tells me, you know, ne never to do this, but I'm going to do it anyway. Uh, can I ask for your date of birth? And I just, I just laughed out loud because he was asking a legitimate question. What's your date of birth? All right. But the way he said it, um, he, when I told him my date of birth, I was like, oh my goodness. Wow. Your birthday is coming up, etc." And he said, do you know what I can do for you? You know, if, if you, I'm going to make sure that you get this thing that you want to purchase before your birthday etc and the personal i had never met this person before in my life he was giving me exactly the same figures as the other person but the human element the human element made a huge difference made a huge difference he one was transactional one was inspirational right did you get that one was transactional one was inspirational and as a result of that i ended up basically almost going over myself as in to to ju just to connect with this person because they had taken the first step in wanting to know me as a human being right so i said all that <laughs> because if you haven't listened to my podcast that i released on wednesday as part of the wisdom compass so wisdom compass number two how to grow your professional network influence and impact that is one of the three or four i think powerful ideas that i shared right if you lead a team if you don't even need to lead a team if you run a business uh, if you're part of a team if you lead a team personal touch people will bend over backwards to help you to do things for you you will inspire them if you only take that personal touch right it's gold so go and listen to that episode if you have not yet listened to it and if you have already listened to it then please by all means share it with other people okay so moving on now to what i'm going to be talking about today which is my career story <laughs> and the lesson that i picked up along the way now throughout the podcast throughout the 74 episodes that have come before now i've always like you know dipped in and out of my career i'll talk about this or that or this but i've never actually shared my story in full on the podcast and i'm really really excited to be doing that today because um I absolutely loved my professional career, the journey. It doesn't mean that I didn't have challenges. I had many, <laughs> but as a whole, I enjoyed it. I loved what I did. 
Um, and also, uh, you know, I've enjoyed and loved my transition into running a business, etc., as well. So I'm going to be talking about my career story over a 15-year period and also the lessons that I picked up along the way because it wouldn't be the super abundant life podcast if we're not talking about lessons Abby it's always about lessons now <laughs> lessons so that we can make, move our lives forward okay so I'm going to start from the very beginning um, which is in 2003 so I arrived in the UK in 2003 nine months pregnant in fact I arrived in the UK on the day that I you know the doctor had said I was going to give birth thank God <laughs> thank God I was two weeks late because otherwise I probably would have been one of those people that you know the that you read about in the paper that gave birth on the plane or something like that if you want to know more about that and yes I was single and yes there was a lot of baggage and all sorts of things attached to that one I'm not talking about that. Episode one is what you want to go and listen to. So I'm going to pick up from there. So I arrived in the UK, you know, I had my baby, I had my child. And obviously I had, I had just graduated, um, before that time. So I had graduated, studied electrical and electronics engineering at the university of Lagos in Nigeria. Um, I had started working. So I worked for a telecoms company in Nigeria for about three months. Um, if you, if you went to school in Nigeria, if you're Nigerian, etc., you will know what I mean by this. So I was waiting to do my national youth service at that time when I got pregnant. Okay. So, um, I wasn't working as a proper, em um, employee because you had to serve first. You had to serve your nation first of all for one year and then you could then now have a permanent job. So that's what I was doing. But in, 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 whilst actually waiting to serve, um, I got a job. Okay, I got a job for a telecoms company and I was actually um, stationed. I was going to say position. That's not the right word. I was stationed in MTN. Again, if you know Lagos, Nigeria, etc., you know what I mean by that. So MTN is a mobile, mobile service provider, um, one of the biggest in Nigeria at the time. So I wasn't working for MTN, but I was working for another company that was working for MTN. So my job um, at that time was inside the MTN office somewhere. I don't remember exactly where now. Um, so suffice to say, I hadn't really built a career in engineering. And actually, about, <laughs> about halfway through my engineering degree, I think I had an epiphany. <laughs> like, hey, this girl, no, 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 no. You're not going to spend the rest of your life being an electrical engineer or any engineer for that matter. You know, when you just realize, ah, okay, no, this one is not it. Mm -mm, mm -mm, this is not my calling in life. It's not my calling in life. Um, it's just, I don't know. I don't know whether it was a combination of many factors. I really don't know. But within me, I just knew that, eh, I'm not going to be an engineer. And that was why actually when I got that job for the telecoms company, I, in fact, I walked away from it after three months. I could have carried on doing it um, up until then do my um, national youth service um, and then maybe even uh, have it become permanent or whatever it is. But I was just like, no, 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 no. I don't like this. I don't like this. I don't want to do this. This is just, there was, it was as if I was dead inside. So I arrived in the UK on the premise of that, knowing that engineering was out. 
it was completely out i was never going to pursue anything that had to do with engineering or anything even close to that all right not it not telecoms not engineering nothing i'm going in the other direction but i did not know what i didn't know what i had some ideas some of the other things that i was interested in for for a while i thought okay i'm going to be a copywriter for an ad agency because i loved to write i love to you know write copy um etc well, not copy for advertising, but I loved to write um, fiction, etc., to create stories. That was something I was very good at that I loved doing. So I thought, hmm, okay, I can use that imagination as a copywriter for an ad agency. But all, all, all of this were just like things that were running around in my mind, which is quite interesting because now as a business owner, I, you know, a lot of time I write my own copy. You know, I have, you know, I have someone on my team that also does copy for us. But, you know, it's interesting how um, that thing never really left. Even though that was not something I was supposed to pursue at the time, I'm actually doing it now. What? 15 years later. So uh, I had my baby and I'm like, so what next? Engineering is out. What am I going to do? And while I was praying, so I wasn't actively like praying and taking time out. I was just literally doing my usual confessions because I I just moved to the UK and I was declaring that I was going to get a job that was going to pay me a certain amount of time. Um, if you know my story, I had set that goal and everything just happened. Bam, bam, bam. So it was now at the phase where I'm like, okay, now what next? And um, I remember exactly what happened. My brother came over to visit. And we were just talking. So it's like, so what's next? What are you going to do? You've, you've had your baby. What are you going to do? I said, I don't know. I honestly don't know. And out of nowhere, out of nowhere, my brother just spoke up and he said, what about teaching? And do you know what? <laughs> as soon as he said it, something went off like a fire went off inside me which is very strange because never in my wildest dreams would i have thought or nightmare i should say would i have thought that i would i would have become a teacher because let me, if you know i i grew up in nigeria went to school in nigeria and teachers were not exactly rated in nigeria okay i don't know how it is now it might be different now but teachers weren't exactly rated. they were respected you know, you respected a teacher, but nobody went to university wanting to be a teacher. Even people that studied education, they were hustling to go and work in the bank. Nothing like, oh, I studied education, so I'm going to go and teach in secondary school. No, let me just get the degree first, and then let's go and find a bank to work in. So it had, like, teacher care, how? And, you know, people used to walk up to me. I remember this very clearly. And would, you know, people used to walk up to me, so I, in a fellowship, I remember very clearly one day after prayer meeting, some a, a guy walked up to me, one of the brothers in church, uh, in fellowship, and he said to me, I see you teaching. And me, it, this is how far teaching as a profession was far from my mind. When he said it, he said, I, I see you, you know, that one said, I see you teaching. I just thought, okay, teacher as in teacher of the word. You know, I, you know, I, I, at that point in time, I loved getting into the word. I loved, you know, dissecting the word, etc. So I thought, okay, maybe I'm going to, in some way, teach the word. That's fine. I can accept that. Another time someone came up to me, I said, I see you working with children. Before the guy turned around, I said, I rebuke, I said, me children. Because for me, I was not the most patient person. And children and me did not mix. Because if, you know, if you are not getting it right, I'm like, please bounce, move to this side, <laughs> move to this side. So, 
um, the idea of teaching as a profession never entered my mind. And the final um, incident that I'm going to cite that basically helped me make that decision after my brother said it was this. I remember I was still at university and I was walking home because I lived very close to university, literally the back gate or the second gate of University of Lagos, my street led into that. So I was walking home uh, along a very long stretch and somehow, I, I guess when I, if now that I know more, it was a vision that I saw, but then I didn't understand what it was. I just suddenly saw myself teaching, standing in front of a classroom and teaching. This was probably five years before this incident with my brother that I'm talking about. So I just looked at it and I rationalized and I said, okay, maybe during my new, what's it called now? A youth service where you have to spend a year serving the government, serving your country, I should say, that maybe they're going to post me to a school and then I'll teach. For me, profession, never. That's what I'm trying to say. But when my brother said, what about teaching? Do you know that my mind flashed back to those three incidents that I just talked about? And I just knew, and I just knew that this is it. This, I couldn't, my mind couldn't understand it. If I told my friends, my colleagues, my, you know, fellow engineers at the time that we had just graduated, that I wanted to go and become a teacher, they would, they would have, they would have like, go and have your head checked. As in, it did not make sense. So I got into teaching. So I'm going to fast forward now where, you know, began the process, went back to do my postgraduate, um, uh, what's it called now? Diploma or something like that. So that I could teach and then got into teaching. So my first school, I got my got into my first school, a school in Essex somewhere, which was a boys' grammar school. So the first school I ever taught in was a boys' grammar school, high achieving school. So I got there, and um, everything was beautiful in the sense that, well, obviously there were a few legs <laughs> but i was i was so happy to be in this school because compared to some of the schools that had been posted to where behavior was a real challenge this one was like heaven compared to those ones the boys could be a little bit cheeky sometimes but they were they were a joy to teach they were fun they were very bright which obviously was very stimulating for me as a teacher and you know um it was it was great to have conversations and you know being boys all the um oh miss this one looked at me funny you didn't really have that with boys so you could have more cerebral conversations with them and i absolutely loved it there but then I looked at, <laughs> I looked at this school because it was such a good school, high performing, high achieving, very, very, very little behavior problems, etc. People just did not live. So that turnover was very low. So I looked around and there were people that had been there for 10, you know, 5, 10, 15, 20, even some people 30, 35 years. There was someone that was retiring that year that had been there maybe almost 40 years. It was his first job and he was still there and he was about to retire. And basically I looked around and I thought, okay, the thing about it is I absolutely love it here, right? Um, it's not perfect, but it's as close to perfect as it could be. But there was something inside me that knew that I was not just supposed to be a teacher that would teach and just stay in that role for 20, 30 years. I just knew. It's not, um, it's not pride. It's not anything. It was just something inside me that was saying, no, you cannot just stay here and just be a math teacher for 5, 10, 15 years and not you know, grow your influence or your impact. 
Do you understand? So something inside me would not let me. So I, I was like, I looked at it and I thought, me, that I want to be a principal, a head teacher, or whatever it is, one day, not even one day, like 20 years or soon, it's not going to happen here because nobody leaves. I have to wait probably three, four, five years before I even have a shot of maybe becoming assistant head of departments or something because the people that were in those positions had been there for 5, 10, 15 years. So I made that decision and I said to myself, I have to move on. I have to go to a place where I have more career advancing opportunities. And it was a tough decision to make, but it was an easy one in the sense that because I was very clear about where I was going and who I wanted to be and the kind of impact that something inside me was calling me to, which is God, I just knew that, no, you can't stay here. Even though this is nice, let's move on. And that was why, that was how I started obviously looking for another job and then I got to my next school. So um, before I move on, I'm going to share the main lesson that I learned from that experience. And it is this, that you must make vision aligned decisions. Even, how, even if you have to sacrifice your comfort temporarily, that's exactly what I did. My vision was clear and it was powerful. As a result of that, I was willing to sacrifice because I knew that the next school, the kind of school that had a higher staff turnover, it wasn't going to be a school like this. Okay. I couldn't leave that kind of school and go to another school that was excellent like that. And I'll expect to be able to move along into leadership or something in a year or two. It just isn't done. Nothing. If you want a school like that, you have to go to a rougher school. Okay. And that was the decision that I make. So when you're making your career decisions, make sure you're clear on your vision and make sure those decisions align with your vision. And even if you have to make a sacrifice, it's only temporary. If you follow your heart and you follow the vision that you see clearly, the vision will speak. So don't be afraid to make those sacrifices. So I did that and I went on to my next school. Now this school, right, it wasn't, so I, you know, I, I, I think it, during the, over the course of my career, I taught in uh, is it four or five different schools now? As in every school that I went to was a completely different kind of school. I never went to the same kind of school twice. So I went to a school. Now, this wasn't exactly like, you know, like a rough <laughs> bring a gun to school, bring a knife to school kind of school. But it wasn't, um, it wasn't as high performing as the first school that I worked in. He was talented. So it was, I went from the suburbs and I went to inner city. <laughs> I went to inner city. Now I can tell you that when I first started at this school, yes, you know, I, the, the, the sacrifice that I made was glaring. It was obvious. It was obvious before in my first school, most of my classes were year 12, year 13, which is a level, a level maths, a level further maths, no whining year sevens. Oh, miss, can I turn the page now? You're looking at them. I say, you are waiting for me to tell you to turn the page. <laughs> So most of my classes were like the 17 year olds, 18 year olds, you're talking math, you're even gisting, you're talking music. It was just lovely. And then I changed schools and I had one, only one year 12 class, only one A-level class before maybe I had five, right? This one, only one. And most of my timetable was year seven, year eight and year nine. I was like, oh my God, what have I done? And it wasn't just year seven, year eight, year nine. 
you know you have sets so they put children in academic sets <laughs> i didn't have a single top set which are you know the ones where they they love the subject so it's not, it's not just oh they, they're just at school because they have to be at school they love math they're good at math you can engage them do you understand very inspiring as a teacher i had bottom sets maybe one middle set the rest were like bottom sets hey, hey jesus as in you, me this was <laughs> i knew that you know the sacrifice was glaring sacrifice and it felt like why did i do this why didn't i just stay in that place but if i'm being entirely honest if i'm being entirely honest the truth of the matter is even though i knew it was hard even though i you know i would a lot of time wish while i was back at the first school i knew i was doing the right thing so there was this conviction inside me that i was doing the right thing and if it will work out Shebi, i knew what i was going for i was very clear and i knew that within a year or two i would be promoted i just knew it i knew it so i wasn't bothered by the temporary setback i wasn't bothered by the sacrifice even though it was hard it was hard it was hard because I had to deal with a class of 30 students that were like bottom set. And when you think about bottom set, you think, you know, disruptive behavior. You're trying to teach in front of a class. They're talking, they're not listening to you, especially as a new teacher. I mean, as you grow as a teacher, you get to the point where only one look, as a Nigerian mother would do. And even the tallest, an 18 year old that's taller than you would say, oh, sorry, miss they'll apologize why because you've established yourself they know you they do you understand but as a new teacher children like to test boundaries if you didn't know that know it now they will push you just know how far can we push this person then when they know how far ahead then they will now sort of try and stay within that limit but before they know it they will push you so it was really tough it was really tough that I'm trying to teach the student and they're just disinterested. They don't care. I say, miss, why do I need to know about fractions? You know, that's, that's a question they ask you. Why do I need to know this? So <laughs> it was like that. And also what I also realized was as a newbie, as a new teacher, they literally just piled on me the, even the classes that nobody wanted. I remember a particular year nine bottom set class. Okay. When I started in that new school the one of the deputy heads as in when i say deputy head this is like vp if you think about corporate right this is vp vice president in the corporate world that's the that's the equivalent he could not handle that class he said he begged the head of department he said please just take this class off me ah then and they gave it to me hey jesus that class till today i still give god thanks for them because they taught me character they taught me character but i got through all of that and i'm going to share some lessons that i felt oh sorry that i learned at that time okay so the first one is this there will be trouble in paradise <laughs> even if you're in the right place there will still be challenges that will test you to the core this idea that if it is the will of god then everything should be hunky-dory everything should be smooth is not true i always cite this i always quote this scripture on this podcast the bible says that we as human beings we have not striked it means we have not faced opposition to the to the point that we will shed blood jesus christ right this is this is from hebrews said so jesus christ was perfectly in the will of god but he faced such opposition that it cost him his life and he never took a single step out of the will of god for a single second of his life 
So the idea that, oh, when I get this new job, the one that I truly want, everything will just be fine. People will just begin to lay down their coats and say, walk on it, walk on it. They'll promote me within two minutes and nothing bad will happen. It's not true. It's not true because the nature of the world is you will encounter problems. So the lesson from that is there will be trouble in paradise. Even though I knew I had a conviction within myself that I was on the right path, there were still moments when I'm like, oh my God, what did I get myself into? I want to go back to my first school, okay? Or a similar school. But, but destiny would not let me because I knew. I knew that if I could ride this out, there was a reward waiting on the other end of it. <laughs> the second thing that I learned is, remember I said they gave me classes no one else wanted. Bottom said, bottom said, bottom said, the lower end of the school and the rest, a, a lot of the other people. And it wasn't like malicious. It wasn't like they looked at this one and said newbie and tried to punish me. No, <laughs> because there were fewer top sets in the school where I was coming from. Pretty much everybody was top set because they were high performing students. It was a high performing school. So, you know, everybody was doing extremely well. In fact, their quote and unquote bottom set was probably the second set in this new school that I'm in. So all the kids were, it was a selective school. So grammar school. So you know, they had done exams to get into the school. So they were quite high achieving. So they weren't being difficult or being malicious or being wicked. It was just the nature of the school, right? So what I learned from that is I could have complained. I could have said, why are you giving me bottom set? I could have moaned. I could have been angry. I could have done all sorts of things, come across as someone that is just um, icky or whatever it is, fighting with everybody in the department, fighting with head of department. I say, why are you giving me these classes? I hate these kids. They're so disobedient. They just hate maths. I, uh, I realized that. And this is the lesson that I learned. Do not cry over spilled milk embrace whatever challenges you find in your path and if you do that those challenges will actually create for you a pathway to glory and that's exactly what happened to me so i took i'll use the example of the year nine bottom set remember the one that the vp if it's corporate the deputy head could not handle and begged to be taken off him that same class do you know, I, as in, it was, it was, it was, my God, it was not, it was one of the toughest classes I've ever handled in my life, right? Dur during my, what, in my entire career as a teacher, that was one of the toughest. I remember it till today. I still, I can still see <laughs> the faces of some of the children, the way they tormented me. But did you know, because I, I, I didn't, I didn't cry about it. I didn't say, okay, oh, why, why me? Poor old me. I literally said, okay, oh God, in this path, the way you said we should come so that we can move faster into senior leadership etc oh yeah come and help us with this one so i literally you know god was giving me ideas he said do it this way do it that way do it this way do it that way i was one of that class was one you know you do performance review and as a teacher they'll come and your head of department whoever is doing it will come and observe you teach and that class was picked to come and can you imagine out of all the classes you could have picked it was that what they picked to come and observe me teach and how I manage the classroom. But God knows how to turn all these things out for your good, right? So I, you know, that class was observed. And uh, at the end of it, when, when my head of department was giving me feedback, she, she looked at me and she said, how on earth have you managed to get these children down to here working? And, and we used to have one hour, 20 minute lessons in those times 
one hour 20 minutes as in 18 minutes with a classroom of two, 30 children that did not want to be there that had all sorts you know stn1 is adhd add can't sit still as you are trying to teach i know you're creating fires everywhere i said how are you able to do it and i said well i'm, I'm not sure these are the things that i've tried that have worked for me etc but my point is this by the end of that year right that particular class they used to do a national exam then called sats in year nine by the end of that year that class was they achieved the best set the best result no not out of the whole of year nine but for that for the bottom set for the bottom set in the history of the school they passed do you understand i think it was i don't remember what the levels were but in the history the school had been in existence for about 15 years no set no year nine set that was bottom set had ever performed that well as in they all passed they all did well do you understand so that put me on the map like oh my god Dave, i became known as a class and behavior management guru and this was only my second year of teaching so don't cry over spilled milk your boss shows up and just throws stuff at you and says go and solve it go and deal with it i know we want to complain yes it, it, it pains it's painful like oh my god why me why can't you do it yourself why can't you give it to that person no 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 you see it as an opportunity see it as an opportunity so let me move on so this is um my second year of teaching i finished that second year this was the year where I had the year nine class, did fantastically well. The beginning of my third year in teaching, remember by that time, because I had taken adversity and I turned it around, I became known. I, the, the whole corridor on the maths corridor at that time, all the other classes, you can you may, you know, maybe there might be one or two or three classes where you're hearing teachers shout and say, sit down, listen, did I know I'm telling the kids of my own will be working. And if they're talking, they're engaging with me, we're existing. Do you understand? So people will pass by and say, how is she doing it? How is she doing it? How is she doing it? And then at the end of the at the end of the term or whatever it is, their results will be far higher than what they were supposed to be getting at that level, at that set. So I had sort of that adversity <laughs> had positioned me as someone that is excellent at her work. So beginning of the third year, an opportunity opened up in the school. And basically that validated my you know making that sacrifice to leave that other school because i still had friends in my old school and i would keep checking okay as everybody left and, and nobody ever left for years the first thing that was head of match department i think was still there like five six seven eight when i was still keeping in touch he was still head of department like five years six years so i was absolutely right in making that decision i would have been waiting there for five six seven eight nine years waiting for a chance to be promoted so the beginning of my second year in that school which is the third year of my teaching a place opened up for middle management no less not even assistant head of department right like mid student progress manager to be responsible for a whole year group which is about one-fifth of the school of the students so it's a big jump as someone that is just starting out so i just knew i said this is why i came here i did come here to play oh. this is why I came here so I knew that this was my opportunity and you know I had also gained that reputation as someone that is excellent that is outstanding my performance review etc etc and I had a good relationship with with the people in my team etc 
So I just thought, yes, I'm going to apply. <laughs> and so that's how I now applied. I applied and uh, I'm sure you, you know, you've heard me say this story before. I applied and I didn't even get shortlisted. I didn't even get shortlisted as in this was this was an internal role because of the urgent nature of it the person was leaving left abruptly or whatever it is so they thought rather than you know advertise it um externally that would take another four weeks before they uh, shortlist people and then another whatever so they thought okay let's just do it in-house okay um and so that in two weeks the whole thing is done so they you know obviously it was only internal applications and in my own mind, my own ego, <laughs> my ego that had been pumped up, like I, I look around, who else, who else really, who else really can do this job apart from me? And I think the, the reason why my ego was also big like that, pride there, eh, pride can destroy, is it wasn't just one role, okay? I think something had happened, I don't know, people... It was i don't remember but there were like three roles that were going or maybe they were just creating something new i don't remember but anyway there were three roles not once i ah, I, I you know I, I was scanning in my head like out of all the people in this school surely i am first or second or third that is worthy of taking on that middle management role so my 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 shoulder was up to my was up to my ears <laughs> in ego so i applied you know stating i've done this i've done that this is uh, and i did not even get shortlisted which brings me to this to another lesson i'm not counting now i'm just saying the lessons as i go along as i share the story okay um the path to your success will be lined with unfairness now you know you might say ah how is it unfair it was unfair and now as i share continue sharing the story you will see the path to success is lined with unfairness. So how you respond would determine whether you make it to the end or you crash along the way. So I was faced with a situation where I was clearly, you know, let's not even say oh, this one is pride. Based on performance, I had demonstrated not a flash in the pan, but consistently over a period of time that I was one of the best people for that role. Okay. But for some reason, I was not even shortlisted and to back up what I'm saying when my head of department so head of maths because we were, we were tight-knit department when he heard that I hadn't even been shortlisted he came and found me straight away so what I can't believe he didn't even get shortlisted right he was like oh my goodness I don't know what went wrong so I was up there in terms of being eligible for the role but I was absolutely overlooked and the first way i won't lie <laughs> the first way i responded was in anger as in bitterness i'm like eh i didn't i left my nice high performing grammar school where i was teaching 70 percent of my timetable was a level further mass just gisting with the kids and just you know having a wonderful time teaching them mechanics teaching them up do you understand i now came and i'm teaching year seven bottom set where they can't even add three plus five i'm having to show them okay one two three and on top of <laughs> on top of all that eh you now did not promote me hey it was not funny i was i was i'm going i'm going i'm going so while the first decision was vision um field 
right this one was offense field okay the first one it was a clear vision that no i need to move this one it was offense that was fueling that decision so I, I you know i just i went to my head of head of department and i said listen do you know what i am out of here and again to justify what i'm saying he said do you know i i can't i have nothing to say to you i can't even i can't blame you i can't fault you for wanting to leave because this is glaringly unfair so i was i was overlooked and i was going to leave i'm like i'm going on i'm going on are you willing to provide me with a reference said don't worry i will give you the best reference ever but if you can please don't go i said well i've heard you but me i'm going and god saved me god honestly saved me so he said to me he said before you actually go why don't you he said i can't tell you why you were not even shortlisted much less even getting the role because obviously we had pegged you as one of the people that should definitely get your behavior management skills your ability to to work with the kids and to transform that like it's, it's so glaring everybody in the school knows that this is what you do expertly right he said okay why don't you go and go to the principal the head of the school and ask him why all right get some feedback and thank God I listened to that. So I followed that advice. I said, okay, I'm going to go and ask him. And it just so happened that he was a new head. He was a new head teacher. He had literally started a month or two before that, right? So he was new in the role. So I, I, I booked an appointment and I went to see him. And I said, well, uh, I introduced myself and said, oh, I know you. I said, okay. Um, I told him and I said, can I have some feedback as to why I did not get shortlisted for this role and what he said to me and you know god used that man he used my head of department and then he used the principal and he said to me he said he said do you know what um i personally right and every time i have walked past your classroom i've always noticed that the children are focused even when there's conversations going on they're talking can send you you always know that there's a sense of purpose to you they're not just being unruly i can see that you have a great relationship with the children however he said every single time he told me he said every single time i happen to walk past and I thought this must be a fluke. So he started actually deliberately coming to come and observe me. Me, I was just teaching. So he didn't officially come. He just stayed by the door and hide somewhere and then watch me teach. So he had known all of that. He now said, however, because I'm new to the school, I'm only a month in, this is a new role. I have to rely on the people that had been here for longer than me. So he basically said, we need to recruit for these three new roles. And he turned to his leadership team the senior leadership and he said can you um tell me who do you think should get the job and he said your name didn't come up and that was the only reason why and he said something to me he said give me six months he said give me six months let me observe by myself what you can do all right i want i need more evidence all right if i if you give me that amount of time he said don't go because i also told him i said well I'm going to be looking for another job because this is my desire i want to move into leadership and he said give me six months i think he said six months and said just give me a bit of time give me a bit of, and other roles will come up i promise you other roles will come up if you continue to demonstrate with me here as a principal that you're someone that is ready to be promoted into leadership nobody's going to be able to stop me and he just gave me that assurance he said don't go 
So after the man talked like that, now she, I will now be stubborn and go. So I didn't go. All right. And didn't go. So I said, okay. All right. Okay. So he said, just keep doing what you're doing. I just need a little bit more time to observe for myself and have the evidence to say I'm promoting this person. And, and I took his advice. I took the advice also of my head of my uh, head of department, head of maths and said, don't go, don't go. I told him what he said and said, listen, just trust him and just do that. And I think what was, so I, I did that. I did that. And what was, um, more, what, what drove the knife into the, into the wound worse for me was the fact that the person, one of the three people that actually got the role was someone that I had trained. They had, you know, she, she was a year behind me in terms of, uh, experience. I had one more year of experience than her. And she was promoted above me not only that this was somebody that i had been had been they had attached her to me so that she could observe my lessons so that i could show her a few things about teaching almost like mentored her and she got the job above me <laughs> okay so i learned that lesson i learned that lesson okay and this is the lesson that i learned that i never ever forgot apart from the one that i just said that you you will experience unfair situations if you respond the way i initially was going to respond with anger and with bitterness if i had left like that i would have found myself in career wilderness for a long time i would have that's the truth but god saved me he said listen no don't do it don't do it don't do it don't do it and he said to me this person that has been promoted over you serve her so she literally came to me and said i want you to be a form tutor in my year group in this year group that she had been given she said i want you to come and work for me essentially what she was saying not in a bad way but because she knew she needed me that i was one of the strongest teachers in terms of managing behavior she knew so she said i want you on my team and i could have lambasted i said get out of here what do you mean how can i come and work for you but obviously i'm a christian now and the holy spirit <laughs> lives inside me so i said okay so god had warned me said or serve her and so over the course of maybe a term or two i did everything in my power i went out of my way you know to serve her to help her first of all by making sure that my own form form group the 30 students that i was responsible for as a form teacher form tutor that you know they 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 were progressing etc and then I, I you know i gave her ideas you know i i if i had a good idea i would give it to her and say you know let's try this and we would try it etc so i went all out to support her to support her and yes by as as um, the principal had said true to his word true to his word literally it wasn't even up to the six months that he said he literally came and he said you are going to be promoted obviously there was an application process there was an application process and i got the job and i went on to be extremely successful in that job but here's the second lesson that i learned in that in that in that season of my career it is not enough to be excellent at your job you must also invest in building key relationships i did not know that do you know the person that got the job or rather the three people that got the job do you know why they got the jobs it wasn't because they were performing better than me it was because they were they were they had relationships they had sponsors they had people that literally spoke for them i said no no this person should be just that they had sponsors they had people that spoke for them 
they had people that spoke for them and all three of them before the end of that year had left that role they had left that role so imagine if i had had somebody that would speak for me in high places in senior leadership that had served that would speak for me as well I would have from the beginning maybe i would have even helped them so that none of them would have had to leave the role because the role was too hard for them if you're not someone that is strong in behavior management in knowing how to connect with children and inspire them because the head of your role a lot of times you're dealing with you know children that behave badly the good ones <laughs> you don't really get to know them is the ones that are always in trouble that are always in your office do you understand so I learned that eh, eh, oh, you can't just say, oh, I'm good at my job. They're going to come and promote me. Hey, after I learned that lesson, hey, I knew that mm, 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 I have to actively build relationships, invest in those relationships by serving people. So, like I said, I took on that role. Um, this was halfway through my third year of, of, of teaching. And I was already a middle manager halfway through my third year it's not it's not usually heard of you have to be in certain kinds of schools to be able to do that if you're in a school where nobody ever leaves you can be there for 20 years and never go into immediate leadership so that sacrifice paid off for me in the end so my middle leadership <laughs> my season of middle leadership it i can't talk about that here it's going to take too long but i'm just going to read out what helped me the lessons that i learned as a middle leader that helped me to be wildly successful in that role so successful that at the end so i took a year group um after after like two or three years um and my my year group had gone to 11 year 11 and finished year 11 and obviously i was supposed to take on a year seven group yeah just stay with me. I know that if you're not in the UK system, this might not make sense. But let me let me paint in a general light. After I had finished working with a particular group of students, I was supposed to take on another group. Basically, the head, he came to me and said, I need you to come and take over this group that is having issues. They were the worst group in the, in the school. And the exams were coming up. So this was year 11. They had their GCSEs coming up, as in end of secondary school exams and the year group was so scattered he removed me from where i was because i had been so successful i said i need you to come and take over this group and do your magic his words i need you to come and do what you do come and be you and come and transform this year group and you guess what you only have nine months and i did it okay so that's what i mean by being successful but i did not do it alone these are the lessons that I learned as a middle leader. Number one, all right? Number one, as a leader of a team, number one, don't expect to reap a harvest where you have not planted. I see people doing this a lot. What do I mean by that? You cannot ask of your team what you have not yet given. So people say, oh, you have to come early, but you don't come early. You have to give a hundred percent for you. You are given 30%. Do you understand? I'm, I'm talking like general terms, but you know what I mean, right? You have to give, you have to be, you have to be 
an example. There's nothing that inspires your team more than you being an example, a role model. You have to be the first to put yourself in. You have to be the first to sacrifice before you can ask anybody to sacrifice. That's one of the greatest leadership lessons that I learned during that season of my life. The second one is this. The second one in terms of leading a team, leading people, right? And remember, when I started this middle management role, I was only, it was the beginning of halfway through my third year as a teacher. I was young. I was in my 20s compared to people that were in their 30s, 40s, older than me, people that had much more experience than me. And I was leading them, okay? The second one is this, the easiest way to inspire a person is to believe in them. People will bend over backwards to serve you if you just believe in them. If you just believe in them, encourage them, encourage, believe in them. Say, so you can do it. You can do it. You can do it. You can do it. So those are the two biggest lessons that I learned as a middle leader. It then came to the time where I had to now move on. Okay. Again, that thing called ambition, you know, the drive, the, the need, the desire, the strong desire to, to, to have influence and impact beyond, beyond where I was currently the same thing that made me leave my first school uh, to go to my second school now as a middle leader i had been a middle leader for about three years or so then it kicked in again like okay or two years i don't remember like okay now senior leadership let's go let's go let's go let's go let's go <laughs> senior leadership senior leadership and again i applied thinking okay now to be a senior leader i had to leave my school because uh, this one, we're talking, you know, deputy head, vice principal, and not principal yet, but definitely deputy head. So th this was a big jump. This was a big jump, right? Um, so I had to leave my school. So this wasn't about, oh, I need to go and build relationships. How many people that I can't even build relationships with people in a school that I don't know. All right. So I thought, okay, I'm going to list all the things I do. So I applied, I would get invited to interviews. Okay. By this point, I knew how to write CVs. I knew how to write personal statements. There was not a, I don't remember. I don't remember, but I don't think there was any senior leadership role while as a middle leader that I applied to that I did not get shortlisted for. So they would invite me to come for interview. I think I must have gone for about four or five interviews and I would get there. And somehow after the thing is finished, I will get a phone call and say, sorry, um, we decided not to go forward with the application. You were not the right fit, blah, 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 and all that jazz. And I was like, ah, ah, number one, you're like, okay, let's move on. Number two, number three, number, ah, what's going on here? Is there something on top of my head that's saying I'm not the right fit? So again, the, 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 the move from middle leadership to senior leadership, I learned another lesson. And it was again, this same principle that helped me get into middle leadership that should taught me a lesson, taught me another lesson that helped me make that jump. And I've shared this, I think a few times on the podcast as well, which is this, right? I was doing fantastically well within my area of responsibility to the point that he literally came and said, listen, I'm going to remove you from here because these guys are good. Anybody can lead them now. I'm going to come and put you. I need you to turn this around in a short time. I was doing that well, but it was not translating because I was still staying within the year group 
Do you understand? I, ha- I didn't have influence beyond my area of responsibility. And he was the one that pointed it out to me. He said, to be able to progress into senior leadership, okay, you have to demonstrate consistent um, success beyond your area of responsibility. And he offered me, he said, okay, so I said, how am I going to do that? This was how I was thinking. I have to get the opportunity to demonstrate that I can do something that is whole school or organization-wide beyond an area-wide. And he said, no, 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 no. Before you get there, you have to first of all become. He taught me that. He said, you have to demonstrate it before you are given the opportunity. I said, so how? And he said, listen, it's simple. You volunteer. And he said, okay, I'm going to create a role. He literally created a role for me. He created, so I still had my regular teaching job. I still had my regular middle management job. He now, he created another role that spanned the whole school, data manager. He he literally created that role for me without pay. And I was so happy for that opportunity. So that was what I did that gave me the experience. The ability is not just putting on your CV. The reason why I was making it past the shortlist, but not, I was failing at the interview stage, etc. was because I, I was thinking like a manager. I was not thinking as a leader. I would be, you know, they would do scenarios and say, what would you do here? I would answer as a manager. So by having that whole organization or organization-wide responsibility, I began to think from the top down rather than on the ground level, trying to plan and manage everything. So it broadened my perspective. I was more strategic in my thinking. I could solve problems from the strategic level, inspire people, etc. And that was what made the difference. The very next interview that I went for to become a senior leader, I got the job. I got the job. So my lesson from that season was this, was this. The quickest way to be promoted into anything, into leadership particularly, is by consistently solving problems and making contributions beyond your area of responsibility. That's the quickest way. The quickest way to progress is is not just about doing what you have been given and doing it well. No, 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 no. The Bible puts it this way. If you have not been faithful in what? It didn't say in your own things. It didn't say in your own job description. The Bible says if you have not been faithful in the things of another man, meaning it was never your responsibility in the first place, but you saw a problem there, you lent them your services and you were faithful in the things of another man. If he says, if you don't do that, nobody will give you your own. You will never progress beyond that. You, they'll say, because we hired you to be doing your job. Why should we reward you beyond that? If you only ever do your job and do it excellently, why should we reward you? Okay? So you can like go up um, points and say, we well, get a bonus. But if you're talking about moving into leadership, having more responsibility, you must demonstrate excellence. No, not excellence. Uh, contribution. Problem solving beyond your area of responsibility. All right. That was a major lesson that I learned in that area. So moving on now, so I can round up. This is a very long story. <laughs> so I got this job as a senior leader. And at first, again, any, any kind of change, I, I experienced exactly the same thing. So this is now my third school. Exactly the same thing that I experienced from going from my first school to my second school. Because in my second school, everybody, all the kids knew me. I had authority. I didn't even have to say anything. I would literally lead an assembly of four, five hundred kids. And 
I'm the only one there, all the staff. I'll say, teachers, you don't have to wait. You don't have to stay. You can go. And no, you know, not a child would take a turn, would take a step out of turn. Do you understand? So it was comfortable. It was easy. It was easy. Right? Life was good. <laughs> all right. But then I moved to this third school and obviously you're starting again. So again, like I said in the beginning, even though it was a step in the right direction, I still had challenges. Paradise is has problems okay so i got there had to again dig really deep dig really deep ended up being very successful in that school as well i didn't stay there very long within the first year i took my my house my area of responsibility from being the bottom because they had this point system my 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 house was the was the always coming last within a term they were top Again, I didn't do it alone. I did it with a team. I had a team of 10 people that I worked with, teachers, and we did it, right? Within one term, we had gone from always being the, the bottom to being the top. Anyway, that's not, that's not the lesson. <laughs> so uh, shortly, you know, after starting that job, etc., I think the beginning of the second year of being in that role, if it was as if, I, I've said this on the podcast before, like you let air out of a balloon. The excitement of I'm a senior leader. I'm on the leadership pay scale. Just it wasn't even the money. As in my because I had uh, my salary had gone up, up, up. So the the change in salary money was not even that magnificent. As in going from that middle leader to the to the senior leader, it wasn't it wasn't fantastic. It wasn't fantastic. It was just the fact that yes, more influence. I'm just I'm not only looking after a year group. I'm looking after. Johnson, almost a whole section of a school, almost a whole school, exactly. So I was ecstatic. I was like, okay, soon, next step, you know, we're, we're, we're very close to, to head teacher, which is where I was going, which is where I thought I was heading. And all of a sudden, everything just went flat. The desire just left. And I'm like, God, what's going on? What's going on? To get up in the morning to go to work was, oh my God, I can't believe I'm going to that place again. Me, that no matter how bad teaching was, I always, just, I always look forward. Of course, you'd be like, oh, I can't wait for holiday. You say things like that. But there was, I, I, I loved, I loved, I loved being a teacher. I enjoyed it. I loved it. I loved the work. I loved the kids. I loved my, my colleagues. I loved the work. I loved, you know, seeing a child go from, um, completely written off to, you know, being outstanding in all areas, except I loved it to now wake up one day. And it was like, what am I doing here? Why am I in this profession? I can't wait to get out. And I was confused. I was absolutely confused. I was like, God, what's going on? I had no answers. I saw, Oh, should I go and get her? Is it the school? Should I go and get another job? But somehow I knew it wasn't the school. But I'm like, so what does that mean? Am I supposed to leave teaching? I don't get it. So I didn't have any answers. So I began, I did the only thing I needed to do. I pressed into God and I said, God, you have to show me. And this is what I did in a practical way. My commute from home to school, to work um, at that particular school was a little bit over an hour, maybe an hour, 10 minutes, literally door to door. So leave the house, walk to the station, take the tube, get to the station, walk to the school, about an hour, 10 minutes, something like that. So I would 
as, as I stepped close the door to the house and started walking to the station between there and arriving at the gate of the school, I would pray. I began to pray. I would pray in the spirit under my breath. So I'll put my earphones in so that people don't think I'm mad. <laughs> and I'll literally pray. Very Nobody could hear me. Even if we're standing beside me, you couldn't hear. I'll just pray under my breath in the spirit. All right just the toe i don't think i did it coming back just in the morning i would pray and say god over my eyes what is next and just basically say reveal to me show me what is next i did this for a few months i did this for a few months and then suddenly i remember that day clearly in my mind i had come out on the other end on the tube station the train station at the end and i was walking to work maybe a, a 10 minute walk or something and as I came out of the station, it was as if it was as if the heavens opened, and I heard a question clear, like somebody was standing beside me. And I heard God say to me, he "said What if I told you now to resign from your job? What would you do?" I said, "Huh? Resign from what?" And that was my initial reaction. I said, ah, "I have a child. I have a mortgage. I have the and all that. What would I use to eat?" But as those thoughts, those were like the surface thoughts that immediately popped. I said, no, I can't do that. So beneath that, as those ones fizzled out, there was a quiet confidence and assurance that ah, I'll be fine. That was when I knew that I was supposed to leave teaching. I knew that my time was up. And then at that moment, I then remembered that I had told myself that I was going to be in teaching for 10 years. And after 10 years, I was going to go and do something else. Then I calculated it. This was probably my 11th year in teaching. That was when I knew that, aha, oh, okay, do something else. <laughs> Obviously, I didn't know what. I just knew that I was supposed to do something else. So I continued praying. I continued praying. And, you know, um, I began to take the steps. Before I say, before I move on to that, the lesson that I learned there, and I still imbibe in my life today is this okay um if you are experiencing persistent dissatisfaction right regarding anything it is a sign that a change of season is knocking so if you're in a job or you're in a particular line of work so you say oh is, is this company i don't like this company then you change then you get another job then you are excited for like a month or a week or three weeks and then you feel miserable again oh my god listen don't keep pushing don't keep hopping from place to place stay in one place and begin to pray because it means that god is about to do something there's a new season that is literally knocking it's knocking on your doors it's saying change change is coming change is coming change is coming and the quicker you are able to hear and enter into it you will ride upon the wave of that chain and it will carry you to greater levels and that was exactly how i entered into what i'm doing today being a transformational life coach and it's not just being a coach or running a business that trips me about what i'm doing today it's the level of influence and the impact that i literally can sit here at my desk and i'm recording words and i'm teaching and it goes out to places all over the world and i'm like oh my goodness how did that happen how did i get here so that desire to impact never left me and is still inside me till today 
and that was what basically has driven my decision making over the years and still drives my decision making till today so I didn't start the business straight away because I didn't even know anything about starting a business. All I knew was the door was now closing on my career as a teacher. I knew that I was supposed to go and do something else. Over the course of still praying, God began to show me about starting, not just going to get another job or going to train for another industry or changing careers or whatever it is. He said, no, I want you to step out on your own. He said, it's now you're ready to step out on your own. I didn't know what that meant. I had a side business that I used to do, which is property. You know, I buy property, rent it out, etc. And is it that one? No, it's not that one. I w- if people pay me to do that one, I can, as in, <laughs> do that full time? No. I said, is it that one? No, it's not that one. I said, what can I do? Business has never entered my mind. I didn't grow up in a home where my parents were entrepreneurs. So me, it never occurred to me that I would ever venture out and start something. I always thought I was going to be in a profession where I was working as an employee and helping to build up whatever it is that I was working in. But God began to show me that now it is time for you to step out, right? And basically, you know, create something, start something. So I was like, okay, where do I start? I don't even know what to start. So I kept praying, etc., etc. I did not have the clarity. I had a few ideas. I thought, okay, I love editing. Okay, I began to research into being an editor, etc. etc. Began to maybe you know look at maybe researching into that and taking steps towards that, but I didn't know, I didn't have any clarity about it. All I knew was I continued praying, and you now know I still didn't know what I was supposed to do specifically, but I began to take specific steps based on what God showed me. And He showed me, He said, Now I want you to drop your leadership responsibilities because and he showed me in the bible he took me to a verse in the bible where john the baptist said i decrease so that he may increase he said your education career is john the baptist says it is winding down the more it winds down the more this new thing that i'm doing in your life is going to start increasing so he said you have to begin to wind it down so drop your leadership responsibilities go and get a job where you are just a math teacher and that was the first thing I obeyed. I didn't know anything else. I didn't know what I was supposed to be doing business. I had no clue, but I knew what God said. He said, wind it down. I could see that one as clear as day. So I was in my third school where I was a senior leader. And then I went and applied. So, uh, so yes, four schools, my fourth and final school before I left completely. And I, I you know, I list, I listed it out to God. I said, okay, if we are winding things down, <laughs> I don't have the energy then or the headspace to go and work in maybe an inner inner city school where I'm not that kind of person where I'll be in a place that change is required, right? And I'll just be passive and say, it's not my business. I'll just do what I can and leave. No, you know, I will be sucked in. I was sucked in. It would take all my time. It would take my headspace. I want to make sure the kids are good, etc. So I want a school that is easy like my first school okay easy okay no behavior issues where i know that i can give my best but when i leave i can then devote it to whatever thing you want me to build and that was the agreement and i went into so my fourth and final school was an independent school which um if you're not in the uk that means a private school so a, a, a well-established private school behavior issues were not 
rare. The children, this was the kind of children. I said, oh, thank you, miss. After he taught them, oh, please. Just very nice kids. I enjoyed it. There were obviously one or two issues, etc. But it, nothing compared to where I was coming from. Where I was coming from, where I dealt with children bringing knives into school. I, you know, I, I can't remember how many children that, you know, that I either suspended. And I think while they're expelled, I sat in, they questioned me because we expelled one particular child that brought a knife into school. So that was where I was coming from. I said, I don't want to deal with that. The, I can't be building two visions. So I want something that I can give my 100%, but it's not going to consume me. So that's another thing you need to understand. Okay. Um, you, 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 you can't build two things at the same time. So if you say, oh, I want to build a business, I want to build a business. You can't be in a job where you have to invest a lot of time and energy and headspace into building something. One has to give. So you either scale it down to a job where, you know, you, you are doing your absolute best. I'm not saying slag off. Um, no, slack off, not slag off. <laughs> slack off. You're doing your best, but it does, it's not taking all of you. All right. So uh, that's what I learned at that point in time. So, you know, I said, okay, God, this is the next school we're going to get then. And I got that school and I began to teach there. Then the next phase was to go from being just a full-time math teacher. Then I went part-time. That in itself, all these things I'm saying, it wasn't just like, pam, it just happened. No, it was a, it was a fight of faith to go to leave my school, to go and teach in the independent school and then to go part-time because going part-time in teaching is like pulling a, a tooth is, is extremely difficult. But I stood on the word of God and I saw all these things play out now. So I was at the point where I was now like, okay, so let us build the other thing. I'm in a position now where I can do this job and it's not going to consume me. I have the time and the space in my head to be able to build something else, but I still didn't know what. I still didn't know what. And do you know when I came to that realization, it was by giving. It was by giving. How did I, how did I come to that point? Okay, how did I come to that point? My church, the women in my church, we thought, well, let's have a women's meeting. And I thought, okay. As a pastor's wife, how can what can I do? So they said, pastor's wife, oh yeah, create a women's meeting for us. I said, okay, what do I know that I can teach? What am I good at? What can I do in my sleep? And it was December, so I thought, okay, it's December. I'm 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 very good at goal setting and achieving goals. When I set something, you know, I, I achieve it. But I know that lots of people struggle, and I thought, okay, because it's also December, people think a lot about the new year, etc. At that time, so I said, okay. So I basically, you know, my, you know, <laughs> if you listen to episode one, the system that literally God taught me to go from a place where I was in a pit of despair, abandoned, etc., etc., to the to literally the bible says i took me from the miracle and set my feet upon the rock that that process that system i had documented it because god told me to and i had used it over and over again to keep producing outstanding results in my life in my career in my finance with my child etc and so god said you know that system all right goal execution and mastery system gems why don't you go and teach the women in your church how to set those kind of goals, how to make sure that they deal with the different areas of their lives that will make it easy for them to achieve their goals. And that's what I did. 
and I had that meeting was lunch, eat lunch in a fancy place, did the teaching. At the end of it, a friend of mine who was present there said, wow, I, I don't even remember exactly what she said. Something along the lines of, that was so good. Why don't you like do workshops and coaching and things? As soon, do, you know, do you remember the same way my brother said, why don't you do teaching? That was exactly how something erupted inside me. I was like, coaching? My God, that's it. And that was the beginning of my journey into exactly what I'm doing today, building this business that has gone beyond even what I had imagined. And we're not even anywhere yet compared to what I see. Beyond what I, I, I could not have predicted that I would be here, that allow me bring a consulting, that gems, that soul, or any of those things that have come out, all right, over that time, that we would be here. I could not have imagined it, even if I wanted to. So that was literally what opened it up. So what are the lessons? What are the lessons that I've learned between the transition from my career to building a business? Uh, number one, number one, you discover purpose in the service of people. I see so many people saying, come and discover your purpose, come and lay your purpose, come and do purpose, purpose, purpose. But the truth of the matter is no book can tell you what your purpose is. Nobody can tell you what your purpose is. You discover who you have been created to be in the service of people. So what is in your heart to do? What do you, what do you always want to do for people? That is your purpose. That is how you discover what your purpose is. But you won't come to that realization until you actually do it. So if you're always feeling like, oh, I just want to help people, you know, get out of debt, etc., and be financially free until that drive might be inside you until you actually take the step and help one person become financially free or at least give them the information that you need. It is in the process of doing that service that the light bulb switches on and you're like, oh, this is what I want to spend the rest of my life doing. So you discover purpose in the service of people. Number two, to start or build a business, you must view it as a second job, not as a hobby. This is why a lot of people have side hustles and they remain side hustles, okay? It is not a side hustle. It is a job. So you have to separate it. You give your 100% in your day job. When you get home, you have another job waiting for you called your business. Until you are ready to do that, you are not ready to build a business. Okay, you're not ready to build a business. If you give 30 minutes every now and then, you're not ready to build a business. So you must view it as I have a second job. I have been employed, even though you don't technically have an employer, I have been employed in this job, this second job to make it work. And the third thing, the third lesson that I've learned from that transition is no experience is ever, ever wasted. No experience is ever wasted in life i told you at the beginning that how i wanted i used to write stories i love copywriting i loved just basically trying to sell an idea and sell and you know uh, communicate in a certain way i'm still doing that today my teaching my 12 12 years 11 slash 12 years teaching experience comes in extremely handy to what i'm doing today so no experience don't despise anything even if you are in a place where you feel like you are wasting your time. I hate it here. No, 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 no. There's a reason why you're there. And if you actually allow yourself to, to learn the lessons that you're supposed to learn, it is going to help you at some point later in the future. So that has been a snapshot 
of my 15 year professional career so far. My first job um, along this stretch, minus the three months that I did back in Nigeria, um, was in, I started my first job in September 2004. 2004. So I should say 16 years if I count my business as well uh, of professional uh, career slash business. So I hope that's helped you. <laughs> um, I hope you've enjoyed my story <clears throat> and yeah, I'll be back next week. <laughs> Bye.